now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe, your host here every week, bringing you tips, education, and updates on home-related matters. Whether you're in the real estate market or if you're looking for decorating or improvement ideas for your home, this is the place to be. Our show comes to you with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, insurance manager from Westland Insurance, operating as Island Savings Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Shoreline Building Inspections with Reese Jacob and Monica Gass. Need help or direction in your real estate transaction? Give the whole Home Show team members a call. They'd love to hear from you. I can help you too. I've been helping people here with their real estate needs in Greater Victoria for over 28 years. I'm a rare born and raised Victorian. I've never left here. I love our town and I'm a huge community supporter and I've helped hundreds of people achieve their goals and dreams in real estate. And I'd be happy to help you too. You can find me on the CFAX website. Look under shows. There you'll find us, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe. Or you can visit my business website, which is the Prime Real Estate Team, primeteam.ca. Today, we're talking about mortgages, how to get one, what to look out for while shopping for one, using your home as leverage to buy investment property, renting, uh, retiring with your equity in your home, and so much more. Frequent regular and show partner, Denise Webster, is our guest. She's from Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, and we'll bring her on in just a moment. We always start, though, with our weekly listener question. And if you have a question or a story to tell us about real estate, call us. Our number is 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Or again, visit us online, cfax1070.com, and look under shows. You'll find us there, and we'll discuss it on the air. So the team here at the Whole Home Show had another event recently for home buyers. It's always great to have listeners visit us in person. It's nice to see you face-to-face and have uh, conversations, two-way conversations. Uh, if, you, if you missed the event, by the way, don't worry. We're, we'll be having another one soon. We have them regularly throughout the year, and it's a great way for us, uh, all of the show partners here at the Whole Home Show, to give you more education and answer all the questions that you have about this very complicated process of real estate. We always do get great questions at our events, like we did the other day, uh, and I wanted to, co- to cover a couple that came up, and, you know, first of all, apologies, because these aren't new questions. We've brought these up before and passed on the show, uh, I'm guessing, or, or, or perhaps you have missed this on other, uh, other episodes that we've done, but these are really important questions and uh, ones that, you know, based on the popularity and how often they come up, just kind of tell me that they are common concerns that consumers have. So the first one is, do you sell first or you buy first? Sell first or buy first. That's the chicken and egg story. This is the situation where you already own a home and you want to move to another house. Maybe you want something bigger. You want something smaller. Uh, your life has changed in some way or other. Um, you know, maybe you, you have kids. You um, have family members who have left or whatever. So it's time for you to think about moving to the next home. Uh, however, it's not that easy when you own a house because when you were a tenant, when you did not have a house to sell, it was pretty easy. All you had to do is give your notice uh, and then buy your house and move into the next house and boom, you're done. But if you need the money from your existing house to be able to move over to the new home, you've got a bit of a scenario that you've got to figure out. So first of all, we got this thing called time clauses and, uh, it is a tool that was developed some time ago. And basically it, 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 
it allows a consumer to make an offer on their next house subject to the sale of their house. Subject to the sale of their house. So how Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to say, you know, I'll buy that house only if my house sells? And I have to tell you, there was a point in time where we did not see these offers for probably 10 years. Remember, the market was white hot up until just a little while ago. This was not an issue because, you see, sellers knew that they, their house would sell. They could commit to their next house, and they knew without question of a doubt that they would do okay and they, they would sell their existing home. But uh, fast forward to right now. The market isn't the way it was before. There's inventory that's been out there for a while. Things aren't selling. People are on the market for two months, three months, pro- sometimes even six months, eight months, and they are concerned because had they made that commitment to buy the next house and did not have the financial capability to own two houses at the same time, then they would be stuck. They would be in a really bad position because they made a commitment to the next home without having their property sold. So there is this thing that is that condition, subject to the sale of their home. Um, Really, as a consumer, that's your best case scenario. That's really the low-risk option. That's the one that enables you uh, to not put yourself in a, in a potential financially binding scenario. And, of course, it's always good to have that back door where you go, hey, I haven't sold my house yet, so I guess that means I don't need to move forward with the next house. Yeah, so that's great. However, you also need to know the, the, the drawbacks here. So, number one, generally speaking, sellers don't like this offer. They don't like this whole idea of subject to you having to sell your home. And the reason is you're not really qualified. Like you are not in a position to buy that property because you either haven't sold your house first or you don't have financial capability. So a seller's perspective would be, you know what, I might consider this offer, but there's no way I'm going to be talking about any sort of negotiation. I'm going to want my price for the luxury of you being able to uh, tie up my property for a time. The other thing you got to know is if you do have an acceptance on this type of offer, I mentioned earlier something called a time clause because, you see, you can't just take that seller's property off the market for a month or two months or three months while you're trying to sell your home. That's not fair to the seller. So the time clause is in place, and it basically specifies that the seller can still continue trying to sell their home. And if they do find another buyer, then what happens is you get first right of refusal. And there's a timeline attached to that, whether it's 72 hours, 48 hours, 24 hours, or even shorter, we see. What that means is when that second offer comes along, then the seller knocks on your door, through the realtors, of course, and says, hey, got this other bona fide offer. It's a real offer. It's legit. And you now have, whatever it was, 12 hours, 24 hours to decide if you're going to continue on with the sale or if you're going to back off. And here's the thing. If you needed to have your house sold and it's not sold yet, then the best you can do is back away, which puts you in a position that you were at even before you wrote the offer anyways. So you're really not any better off. In fact, it's even worse than that because if that was your dream home, That's going to be the one that you're going to be talking about all the time. It's the one that got away. Oh, my goodness, I almost had that house, but I just wasn't able able to buy it. So the reality is, even if you have that offer accepted, you do always stand the chance of having somebody come by and snatching your dream home from you. That is the biggest drawback about a time clause. So in going back to the original question, sell first or buy first, the best situation for you the lowest risk financial situation, which enables you to buy that house, is to actually sell your house first. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, oh my goodness, what happens though if I sell my house 
and I can't find the next house, I'll be homeless. It's a question that comes up to us all the time. Don't forget, I've been doing this for a long time. It's almost 30 years now, and I've seen hundreds of people ask this question. But then you've got to ask me, how many times have our clients actually been homeless? And I'm going to tell you, in 30 years, it's a rarity. In fact, I can think of one case right now, and it's a funny one because uh, they, ended up, uh, buying a, they ended up buying a lot uh, that didn't have a house on it, and they had a trailer as well, too. So they live in their trailer. Uh, so they were um, uh, kind of holidaying for the time it took for them to build a house. Anyways, I, I digress. Um, sell your house first because there's a few things. Number one, you're going to know exactly how much money you have. That is an important one. Let's not forget that even though you list your house for sale at a certain price, that does not mean that that's what you're going to get. So you'll know how much money you have. The second thing is you know how much time you have. And you're going to want to make sure that you negotiate a longer possession date. Give it maybe three months, even four months, because that will buy you the time to find the next house. And the secret here, by the way, is this system works as long as the kind of house you're looking for is relatively common. Not something special or unique, but, you know, you think about homes in certain areas that tend to pop up on a regular basis. Because even though inventory is low right now, there is always inventory. There's things to find. And, you know, the last thing, too, is your dream home. If you need to sell your house first, you better hope that it's not on the market right now because you're not ready. What will happen is when you sell your house, it's amazing how often that house pops up exactly when you need it. And I can attest to that because, again, I've seen it happen hundreds of times. Uh, that was just one of the questions. We had a number of other questions from our event. Um, if you, again, have any questions or stories to share with us, just give us a call, 250-414-6540, or find our page on the CFAX 1070 website. By the way, if you're a podcast listener, don't forget, we are on iTunes and Google Play. You can listen to all 136 episodes. They're all up uh, over the course of, well, we've been up for three years. It's been a while now. Uh, anyways, we need to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to be having a very in-depth, detailed conversation about things that boggle individuals, and that would be the numbers, mortgages, banking, and all that with Denise Webster. Back in a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. This is The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. You know, one of the things that confuses people a lot is mortgages. And the banking side of things. I mean, when you're in your home and you own your home and you're making your mortgage payments, that's all fine. But then a couple of things pop up. You got to think about renewals every once in a while. Or if you're thinking of buying and selling, you got to figure out your financial position. Uh, or, of course, if you're looking at your first home, you need to figure out how to get a mortgage. And who better to have to talk about this but our show partner, Denise Webster. Denise is a mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group and a, I'm going to use the word frequent because you are here often. Mm -hmm. A regular guest, because we love having you here, Denise. It's always really good to be in studio. I love it. Oh, my goodness. Hey, and not only that, before I forget, you said to me the other day that um, you had a, a client who's a listener from Vancouver. We got listeners from Vancouver. Yeah, actually closing the mortgage in, uh, in January for her. Amazing. Yeah. Well, that's the power of CFAX. It was a nice compliment to hear she'd been listening in Vancouver. That's great. That's great. Okay, so um, mortgages. This is you live this because you you're you're in this. You've been doing this now for uh, it's, ten, it's over ten years. Going right? into my tenth year. Yeah, yep. oh, man, ten years worth of numbers. Yeah, and a lot of changes, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what keeps us on our toes. It would be boring if it was the same year. No kidding. Year. And it seems like there's been a lot of changes even in the last three years. Gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I kind of try to track it all, but uh, makes sense for all your borrowers out there to understand the changes. But yeah, it just kind of keep the keep tabs on what is happening and help your buyers understand why these changes happen. Okay, let's talk about the changes for a second here because here's the thing. You know, we have Google now. We have um, we have YouTube. We've got all these things that people can research. But 
it seems to me that the whole notion of mortgage rules and changes is really difficult to self-educate on. Absolutely. I, I, I think, you know, trying to just go online and use a mortgage calculator is just not helping our borrowers enough to understand um, even just the stress test. Uh, you know, I still am blown away that happened. You know, that came in in 2017, 18, mm -hmm. and there's still people that haven't wrapped their heads around it. So, oh, okay. So we have to, we, yeah. we, we, we do need to explain because, you know, these are very technical terms. They we are. Need, we're, so I'll stop you every once Thank in a while. You. Okay. The stress test, uh, explain it. So we introduced, uh, government introduced. Not we. No, no I'll be clear the on that one. Yeah, the government yeah. introduced uh, um, a higher rate for borrowers to qualify at, and uh, hedging that rates had nowhere to go but up. So we introduced the, <laughs> we again. <laughs> the, the government. The government introduced yeah. the stress test, which uh, was uh, basically about quali qualifying at about 2% higher than your actual rate. So you're not going to pay 2% more. No, just qualifying at that amount. Because they want to know that you are able to make your payments if the rates go up. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, you know, this this actually should give borrowers a little bit of um, um, assurance. You know, when you are qualifying at a higher amount and, and you realize that your income is supporting that higher payment, it's giving borrowers a little bit of wiggle room to understand, hey, I'm not going to be mortgage poor. This does, you know, the, my actual payment is a lot lower than that, but it says I could qualify with this. So I, I think it was a it was a good, good but change. what was the drawback? Uh, it took about, I would say, about $100,000 of your purchase power away. 20%, maybe on a $500,000. If you were qualifying at a $500,000 mortgage, that stress test kicked in, and now you're qualifying at a $400,000 amount. In a marketplace where prices aren't going from five hundred dollars to 400000 it has really meant that buyers have had to change their requirements. Absolutely. It, uh, it changed where they were looking. Um, so that was a hard pill to swallow at first, you know, where when it first came in, it was a shock and I was calling back some of my pre-approvals and having to say, you know, this is actually the mortgage amount you'd be qualifying for now. And that was pushing them outside of the city, maybe over to the West shore. Uh, and it just, or out of the detached home into a condo. Yeah. Cause so you know, was, I, I remember, I remember the math specifically, it was like from 700,000, which could buy you a house to like 580 or something Bang on. that is, that doesn't get you a house anymore. Yeah. 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 So it I mean I feel like everything's settled down now. Uh people have rejigged their own numbers as well and started to look elsewhere. Uh so I've seen some of those pre-approvals come back and uh, also, I think with the market changing and not feeling as competitive out there, that exhaustion of the multiple offers, you know, they just walked away, had had too much of it. They've come back now and they're looking at the market now feeling like there's not as much pressure. Yeah. They understand the stress test now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, we everything... call it we call it multiple offer fatigue syndrome. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, you know, actually, we should remind listeners that, that when the stress test came came in, that wasn't the first time because it was introduced a year later for first time buyers. Right. Uh, well, the first time it came in, it was just for people with less than 20% yes. down. Sorry. Yeah, okay. And then they leveled that playing yeah. field in uh, the beginning of 2018 and said, nope, everybody in Canada, even if you have 20% or more, everybody's going to qualify at the stress test. Yeah. And as a reminder, I mean, this stress test did exist for many, many years on variable rate mortgages. It oh. just kind of came in into the into the fixed rate mortgage. So Including refinances yep. and a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. yeah. So if you think about it simple, when this stress test came in, borrowers were qualifying on a five-year fixed rate of about 2.6%. Okay. And then suddenly the stress test came in and they were qualifying in a either 
plus 2%, so 4.6, or the Bank of Canada's benchmark. It was either the higher of the two. Yeah. So that benchmark right now is 5.19. So that was a huge leap of qualifications. Amazing. Okay, so that's one of those things one of those. that you, as a mortgage expert, you know all about because it's your job to keep up to date with this. And this was a big question mark that consumers had. They're like, what the heck is this? Mm -hmm. Right? And, um, again, everyone's hope is if I'm a home buyer, if the government puts these things in, maybe it means that prices will get down to the point where it's more manageable for me. It actually made things worse because for those people who were qualified up to a million dollars, it pushed them down into the already hot $800,000 price point. Exactly. that. Right? Yeah, that competitive offer just kind of got a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, let's just shift back a little bit and think about somebody who's thinking of getting into the market. Um, they have a couple of options. One is they go to the bank. Right. Um, why should somebody see somebody like you, a mortgage specialist, mortgage broker? Well, I think one of the things that I've been stressing to my clients is that I'm not going anywhere. I, I do. I do find that uh, I hear so often somebody says they went back to their bank. The person they thought they'd always dealt with is no longer there. Got promoted or something. Yeah, or which is fine. They yeah. do. They've got to promote within the banks and, and keep their employees um, moving up. Uh but it does disappoint the borrowers if they feel like they had started of a relationship and then they're starting all over again. So that is on just one note. I think that's something my my clients really enjoy. That I have been pretty, at it for ten years. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. This yeah. is what I do. Um, I also will take all the time needed to explain these changes, to explain why and how you're qualifying. Uh, I pride myself in educating my clients. They it gives them um, it gives them the knowledge they they need for the confidence to go out and start looking at the market. Uh, you don't want a first-time home buyer going out. They're not really knowing what they're doing. They just feel so timid. They feel overwhelmed. Uh, I want to give them that um, encouragement and the power that they've got the knowledge to know what exactly what they're doing. So yeah, because you live in this. This is what you do. You don't sell mutual funds or you know financial products or life insurance or any of that kind of stuff. Eat, sleep, breathe mortgages. Eat, yeah, okay. <laughs> some would some would think, oh my goodness, <laughs> right? Um, but you know, I, so from the real estate perspective, I have to say there is a big difference when we're working with a consumer, like a buyer who says to us, I'm working with Denise Webster. Because we know then that you've gone through the stuff, you've got their documentation, you got their pay stubs, you have, you know, they're fully qualified. Or when they say, oh, we went to our bank and we saw, you know, Bob. Well, he's your longtime banker. Oh, I don't know, you know. Uh, and, and we start to wonder, it's like, how much... How much information does he have and how ready are they? Yeah. And it's, it's you know, from the real estate perspective, like we need to make sure that the consumer is ready before they put themselves in the position. Well, right? and nobody wants to waste anybody's time either. I think that is, time is so valuable. So, uh, you know, I would hate to know that, uh, you know, offers were made and borrowers weren't even qualified in the beginning. They spend money on building inspections. They spend yeah. money on all this stuff. It's and then just such a waste of resources and everybody's time. So. Yeah. Because we, because we work together a fair amount. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's other mortgage brokers, other realtors out there, but the thing is, we know that when one of our clients is working with Denise, we call you up and say, and you know, you have confidentiality, so you can't share everything. Nope. But you know, we'll often do a temperature check and say, is this going to work? Yep. Yeah. And I'll say the buyer's ready to go. Start oh my looking. God. <laughs> and there's a lot of value to that. And the other thing too is, there's value to that from the the buyer's realtor's perspective when we can say to the other the seller's realtor hey listen 
This is a legit offer because Denise Webster, mortgage broker, is working with the buyer. Wow, thank right? you. Well, it's true. Well, right? I can actually say the same, Tony, because, uh, you know, I'm also really clear with my borrowers. When I do a pre-approval, I emphasize pre-approval. I have done my due diligence to verify their income, to uh, go fine-tooth comb through their credit, uh, think of anything that could come up as kind of an exception or something that we're going to need to really discuss with the lender. But at the end of the pre-approval, I'm very clear to say, you, my client, are pre-approved. What is not approved is the property you're yeah. about to go look at. So I have a lot of confidence knowing that, you know, you're showing good properties as well and you're not putting a borrower, uh, a, a buyer into a home that could have, a you know, some, Financial yeah, some, some major issues with it. So... That's something that I really also uh, admire about the relationship is that we know our our buyers are looking at good homes. Well, thank you. Yeah. Oh, well, listen, hold that thought. Uh, we need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about mortgages. Back in a moment. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show. Our show comes to you with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Centers, Modern Mortgage Group, and our guest for today, by the way. Uh, also, Carrie Augustini, insurance manager at Westland Insurance, operating as Island Savings Insurance. The Sitka Law Group, for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs. And Shoreline Building Inspections, Reese Jacob and Monica Gass. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of our whole home show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. Uh, hey, Denise, did you have fun at the event? I had a great had? time. You know, it felt like we had a, a very uh, attentive audience. Yeah. They, we were passing on some good information. Uh, it was short and sweet. We all had our, our time up uh, in front of everyone, and, yeah. and I think we got our message So to our, to our listeners who missed it, uh, all five of us gave presentations. So obviously, Denise talked about mortgages. We had a talk about house insurance with Carrie. We had some great pictures from the building inspectors, Reese and Monica, about, like, the guillotine window. What can window. go wrong? Yeah. Uh, and, of course, we had uh, Gurpreet from a Sikha Law Group uh, talking about legal matters. Uh, but it's just it's great getting... Um, we love doing this, and we have new faces every time uh, we get there. We're going to start organizing our next one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely a need for something like this. It's a lot of information, uh, especially for our first-time homebuyers. There's a lot of people there that have definitely bought homes before, mm -hmm. and it was a good refresher remembering the processes you need to go through yeah. and that there's all these tools out there to help that's, you. Yeah, that's, that's a good point because as much as it was focused on uh, a home buyer seminar, I mean, we had people there who were downsizers who were thinking about, you know, what's the next step? They're the ones that brought up that question, buy first or sell first, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so we talked about uh, the, the importance of going to a mortgage broker. I also want to make sure that listeners know, uh, you know, and I, this is in no way a uh, um, uh, negative commentary on banks. We have, both you and I have friends I, in the banks. I need the banks, absolutely. You work with the banks. I, sure I have banker friends. There are some amazing bankers out there. Um, now, one of the things that consumers need to know is, you know, if you're going to ABC Bank, you're getting ABC product. Yeah. Right. Whereas you, on the other hand, you got access to lots. I work with the big banks. I work with what we call mono lines, one line of business. That's all they deal with is mortgages. Their investments are mostly the big banks. Yeah. Uh, and credit unions. So yeah, there. It's it's not just finding the best product, but it's also making sure that the client has the the um, 
uh, unique things in the product. The best rate, obviously, is most important to clients. But mm. when you break down it, what you know, what kind of prepayment privileges do they have? When can they make their prepayment privileges? What does a penalty look like if you break? That stuff is so important to know inside and out your product of your mortgage. So. Not everyone fits into one box, and you need to have variety to look around to find some unique products for some buyers. Yeah, because I think when people are in the process of buying a home or, or getting a mortgage, they're, they're usually stuck. Because let's face it, it's the rate. Like Normally, people are like, what's the lowest rate? Yeah. Right? But they are not paying attention to some of the things. And I've had uh, clients afterwards say, oh, my goodness, if I knew that I was only able to put down, uh, you know, pay down my mortgage X amount of dollars in a year, I would never have gone with this mortgage. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Rate is absolutely the first thing. And I'm pretty darn confident in saying I can almost always beat any bank rate out there. Um, And if I can't, I'm also pretty transparent, as you know, to say, yep. okay, this is a better product for you. You can go here. Yes. Um, but yeah, the that pro- is one of the reasons details. why our clients enjoy working with you because if it is in fact better for them to go to the bank, you will tell them that. I sure will. Yeah, and that that is uh, that's saying something. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so again, rates, uh, prepayment stuff. The uh, other thing again is. Um, consumers, you know, things like penalties we're talking about. Um, uh, I mean, we know typically there's like three months interest, right? So three payments. Well, you say typically, but it, yeah. And then there's interest rate differential. Yeah, this one's really important, Tony. Okay. Um, always discussion with my clients at every part of this uh, process. This one, this has to be mentioned. So the most important one is a variable rate mortgage. That one actually is governed by our interest act and a buyer cannot will not pay more than three months interest if they break a variable rate mortgage. Now, again, that you have to make sure you're in a standard variable rate mortgage, not a no-frills mortgage, uh, some some kind of special variable rate. That's the fine print you've got to read to see if there is a hidden penalty. But a standard variable rate mortgage, five-year term, if you broke it, you know, one year in because you had to sell, you're going to pay three months interest to get out of that mortgage. Yeah, okay. A fixed rate mortgage has one or the other, either three months interest or the interest rate differential, yep. and you'll pay the higher of the two when it's calculated. So it, so for consumers, like why why is why does the bank insist on this interest rate differential? Well, it, a, f- a five-year fixed rate is actually guaranteeing the investor a rate of return. They can actually calculate the exact amount of interest that 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 investor, that bank will earn over the five-year term. A variable rate floats. It's a moving rate. So, you, so. as a consumer, you've made a commitment. You've said, I'm going to be here for five years. Huh. And then the bank's able to say, okay, well, as a result of that, we know that this is what your interest is going to, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So, and we are talking, both of these cases are closed mortgages. Almost everybody out there is in a closed mortgage. An open mortgage is for short, short-term lending. Yeah. It really is. It's going to start around a 6% rate. Um, that's something if you have, say, sold your home, but your mortgage came up for renewal and your sale happens one month after your renewal, you're going to roll that into an open mortgage so that there is zero penalty, but you'll pay that higher interest rate for that one month. Yeah. So back to the fixed rate, the interest rate differential is basically uh, how I explain it to my borrowers is, so if you had a five-year term and two years in, you sold your home and you didn't port your mortgage over, you moved out of the country. Yeah, you didn't port it. So now you're basically saying to your lender, your your bank, um, here's my mortgage back. I had three years left on it. And they'll look at- Sorry. Yeah. 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 So here's this uh, balance on my three years remaining. And the bank says, okay, well, we have these funds back. We're going to sell this mortgage again. What would our current three-year mortgage rate look like to sell these funds? Because now we're in today's rates when you've sold your your property. 
So our current three-year rate, if it's a lot lower than the rate that you had guaranteed them for the five years, they're selling those funds at a lower rate. Yeah, and they want or, their money. Yeah, they they had had a guaranteed investment return, right? Yeah. So that's called the interest return. rate differential. So now they are going to calculate the loss at that principal amount with that rate difference between your current and rate and today's rate. It can, but there, here's the catch showing. This is the most important thing. It's not governed the way it's calculated. Okay. So um, banks will apply the discount that they gave you. So you notice banks will say our posted rate, our five-year posted rate. Well, the current five-year posted rate is 5.34% right now. Yeah. Like nobody pays that. Nobody pays like. that because okay. the bank says we're going to give you a discount yeah. and your current five-year rate is 3%. Yeah. So they're discounting at 2.34%. Okay. Okay. Now, when it comes up to your mortgage being uh, penal, uh, the penalty being applied, they'll say, well, today's our, here's our current three-year posted rate, but we're going to apply that same discount we gave you on your five-year to the three-year, and it creates a much larger spread yeah. of the loss. Yeah. Whereas our non-banks, the monolines, these um, investment, just mortgage companies, they do not have discounted rates. They offer their best rate at the best rate. They say, here's our three-year rate. There's a very small spread between those usually. So we don't see these enormous penalties on the fixed rates. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, um, gosh, what year was it? Oh, I want to say like when the rates first started to really come down, uh, 2012, 11 and 12. Sure, yeah. People started saying, wow, the rates are so low. What if I broke Lock my- in for, or yeah. yeah. Well, not even lock in, but okay. I want to get out of the mortgage I'm in right now, and I want to take advantage of these low rates. So they, we were seeing some pretty nasty penalties because they were coming out of a 4% mortgage trying to lock into a low 3%. So I vividly remember explaining to my client, your penalty is $26,000. Yeah. But you have four years left on your mortgage at this high rate. And I was able to show them the math that even with paying that penalty and going into a new rate, they actually recovered that penalty before the four years would have been up. They yeah. were saving money. It's a hard pill to swallow. Not everybody wants to look at that penalty. Um, but you sure don't want to make any changes without knowing what that penalty would be. And that's where you come in because you do that math. Because people often wonder about that. It's like, is it worth uh, paying the penalty? To get a better to get a better rate, and it's black or white, Tony. It is so yeah. simple. It really is basic math to say here's <clears> where your balance is in five years. If you go and pay this penalty and you drop your rate, here's where your balance will be in five years. And will you have recovered that penalty? Yes or no? It's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah, it's just math. It is. It's not witchcraft. I love it. Uh, Denise, um, before we take our break here, let's remind everyone how they can get in touch with you. Oh, just call me directly on my cell at two five zero eight eight nine four seven four three. Uh, you can text that number as well, or you can send me an email to denise at denisewebster.com. And you actually do answer your phone. It's not like it goes to somebody else. No, That's, it's me. Yeah. There's just me and only me. <laughs> amazing, amazing. All right, well, listen, we need to take uh, one last break here. When we come back, we'll be having more conversation with Denise Webster about mortgages. Back in a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. This is The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Having a conversation today with Denise Webster, our show partner from Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group. We've been talking about mortgages. Well, you know what? I can't believe this is our last segment because we could keep on going here. I know. There's so much to talk about. Uh, so we were talking about penalties for uh, breaking 
um, uh, fixed or variable. Uh, fixed or variable. You said $26,000. I remember one, it was $17,000. And uh, that's when houses weren't that much. So, yeah, you know, it can. a lot of equity out the door. It can be. But like you said, though, if the math is applied and, it, and you determine that it makes sense to make that payment if the rate differential is better, um, then that's a good decision to make. Now, we're not there right now because it's unlikely that that's going to happen exactly. in your yeah. future. But I, I guess we're, what I'm coming to here is it requires the counseling and education from somebody like you because people aren't getting this kind of knowledge going online. No, and, you know, especially when you're working with somebody that's selling their home, that's definitely a question to say, have you already called your bank? Do you know what your penalty will be? I always bring that right? up. Right? Yeah, yeah, you don't want them to have some kind of shock in that they've listed their home, that they, you know, they're going to owe it can at af- the end. It can affect what they buy, you know, or where they're going next, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a tough nut to swallow. You know, if somebody, this is a good example. I, I can't think of one right now, but if somebody did, if they were planning on selling their house, and then downsizing and then giving money to like family or something like that can be some serious equity, uh, you know, away from the family. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that would be also a very important discussion to have with a broker uh, is about porting your mortgage. So taking that's it from one house to the yeah, next. Yeah, yeah. So they're just having to understand that there's some restrictions. Sometimes you only have 90 days after the sale of your house to port your mortgage. Um, the lender also has to like that new property. So if you go ahead and buy a really unique property that you know, in a really out-of-the-way area that they don't lend in, an area they don't lend in, you might not be able to port that mortgage. So, again, those are details you've got to discuss and make sure you know the product of your mortgage. Is it portable? What does that port look like? That's really what it is. I mean, mortgages are products. Yes. So, uh, again, you know, we mentioned earlier, if you go to a bank, and, again, not disparaging banks. Banks are great. There's some great bank people out there. Um, But if you're going to one source and all they have is one product, then that's all they can offer you. Yeah. Whereas if you speak to someone like Denise who has, uh, you've got countless, it's like 24 or 40. There's a lot of lenders that you can work with. Well, actually, I think there's about 90 out there. Oh, my goodness. But that would be ridiculous to try and understand and know all those products. So you've got to, as a broker, you've got to have a good dozen banks, non-banks, credit unions that you deal with and you know their products so actually one thing that we gotta mention to to listeners how do you get paid we get paid if we close the mortgage the lenders do rely on brokers to bring them this business so so you get paid by the the lender the lender pays the brokerage yeah so and that is a myth out there too oh but isn't my isn't my rate affected by because you're being paid absolutely not that is not these banks these lenders these mono lines they want us to bring them the best kind of business and we do and so we are uh, we receive a commission at the completion of the mortgage yeah so so basically um free service yeah well yeah because the consumer (laughs) doesn't pay no gosh they don't they don't pay to talk to you they don't pay for you know advice um, uh, I feel that most of the time people talk to you, they, they do end up working with you. I'm sure there are cases, though, where, just like we said earlier, if you give them advice that is better for them to go to the bank, yep. um, you you know... Uh, you give a lot of free advice. And it, I'm yeah. happy to. It's just because I enjoy doing that. Um, and, and you know what? Same thing. I mean, sometimes just a pre-approval, they're not ready for another couple of years. So I do hope I see them in a couple of years. And then I do close that mortgage. Yeah. 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 Because there's, there's a lot of stuff to know about mortgages. You know, goodness. I, this has been sort of like the theme of the day here is, you know, you can't... It, 
it's like getting that diagnosis about your health over the internet, right? right. I mean, there's a lot. There's Good comparison. There's so much stuff that you can't. I mean, with mortgages, and it's, as you brought up, it's not just their qualification because, you know, the, the, the lender has to, there's the, we'll talk about credit checks in a moment. There's credit checks, there's income statements, there's, you know, what's counted towards income, there's, you know, the debt down service payment. ratio that we talked about before, confirmation of down payment, um, you know, who's going to call the appraisal, all that kind of stuff, right? Well, and this is my job to really prepare that buyer to understand what kind of documents are going to be required. You don't want to just blindside somebody and say, oh, wait, I need more. I I need more. Yeah. I need more. That there, is the bane. The list. By the way, that's the bane of realtors' existence. Is when we have an offer in place on the property, and the buyer uh, felt that they were all pre-approved, and then on the eleventh hour, as we're supposed to remove conditions, the banker or the whatever the lender yeah. goes, "Oh, we need your T four. We need you." Well, how come we didn't do that weeks ago? Right? Oh, I know. And you know what? I have to defend brokers here and <clears throat> banks in this situation because what can happen in the eleventh hour is that new eyes internally go mm -hmm. and audit the files. Okay. So we've worked with an underwriter the whole way through. We have satisfied all conditions. We remove conditions. And then just before funding, about a week before funding, we can have an internal audit from that bank or that lender, and they get new eyes, and they say, wait, we just want one more thing on file oh. for our auditing purposes. Oh, so I'm very clear with my boroughs. Do not panic if this happens. It is just something that they want on file. I know you have it. I'm sorry to bug you to get one more document, but it's their internal audit system. Yeah. So, And I don't throw the lender under the bus. I'm not going to go ahead and just blame them. Sometimes it could be something I missed. Gosh forbid. But, no. you know, it just is being very forthcoming with your borrower to have no panic, right? If, if it's something that... It, we just need to. Well, one see, more there document. you go, and there's there. you, you see. humanize the situation. You have to, right? Because yeah. when we hear it on the other side, it's normally, oh, you know. Well, that's something I'd let you know about too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't panic. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, a formality or something, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, now, we're just, you know, we're talking about people getting their first mortgage now. Um, Really briefly, let's talk about renewals because renewals are important. Really important. And yeah. that's a big chunk of my business because I've been in this almost 10 years. So I've seen a lot of my, uh, I've gone through all my first renewals, right? Yeah. Um, so big difference. Renewal. That's your existing lender offering you a uh, either a new five-year fixed rate uh, variable um, maybe a three-year, they, they can offer whatever you want on your renewal. And this is where you can just sign on the dotted line. Yep. They're not qualifying again. You're renewing you your principal. You don't need to pull up the T4s. No, and, yeah. not at all. Okay. But what I insist on letting my clients know is that don't be ridiculous and just sign without asking any questions. Yeah. So is this their lowest possible rate they can offer? Because I know this sounds like we are throwing, but sometimes they just really hope you do sign it and don't ask questions. And they may not put forth yeah. that perfect best rate right away and hope you sign it. So I always say to my clients, involve me. Yeah. Let me poke the bear a little bit and let's just see if that is truly their best five-year rate before you sign something. We should be seeing kind of about six to four months before your renewal date. They don't just do it like the day before, the no, month before. No, no. Yeah. Um, so if you want to stay, you've been happy with your lender and you are being offered the very, very best rate, you sign on the dotted line and your renewal is good for another five years. That's a, that's a very easy, straightforward transaction. If you ignore these renewals, if you ignore me, if you ignore everything and you do not sign a renewal, your mortgage will roll into a, 
a closed six-month term for most cases at a high rate. And now your payment's going to go up, and you cannot get out of that six-month closed term without paying a penalty. So if you just ignored it all, they have the right to roll it into a closed six-month term. I didn't know that one. Yeah. Okay. So I always stress that. Don't yeah. ever ignore your renewal. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to start bugging you. Yeah, oh, my goodness. I Actually, I haven't heard that one before. I, I, I'm gathering that my clients generally do the it's right thing. It's so. very rare that you would ignore your renewal yeah, of your mortgage. Ki- no kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Okay. So, so important. So give you a call. You're going to poke the bear. Um, now, somebody's been in their house for a while. And, you know, one of the things that comes up is how can people afford to buy real estate in Victoria? Well, you know, let's face it. The majority of people who are buying homes already have a home. They have uh, created equity from their home, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, here's a question for you. Like, what what would you say is the percentage of first-time buyers that you work with? Oh, um, I'm probably at about 75, maybe 70% are first-time home buyers. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of great, my, my existing first-time home buyers are referring their friends and family. Great. So, yeah. But it also means that not everyone is a first-time buyer. So Gosh, there's no. people who are not. So there's people who, you know, have owned their homes for a while. They've made their equity. They're moving upwards, right? Uh, and they might decide to buy an investment property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, again, this is an area where you step in. Yeah, and it, it uh, sometimes happens before renewal. So especially after you've seen a spike in our property values in you know, 17, 18, people were getting their BC assessments and going, wow, I've got a lot of equity. You know, this was Jackpot. the best investment I made. Yeah, yeah. So that's when you start the conversation of what a refinance. So um, two things. You can refinance your mortgage at maturity date, no penalty, or you might end up refinancing within your term and look at that penalty. And that will come out of some of the proceeds when you refinance and add new funds. So you're redoing your mortgage. You're requalifying. You're pulling that equity out. Yeah. So at renewal, that's also, Tony, I have to have that com- conversation as well because some clients don't even know that that's an option. So their mortgage is up for renewal. And I do just say, you know, you've... Um, do you need to keep everything as is, or is there any reason for you to look into some of this equity? Are you looking at doing any home improvements? Unfortunately, have you acquired any large debt that you'd like mm. to get rid of? So I'd I'd feel like I'd failed my client if I just said, oh, yeah, you're up for renewal, let's renew. If I didn't even have that conversation and say, you have a lot of equity, is there any reason for you to need to tap into that? So. And sometimes, nope, absolutely not. We are, our goal is to pay off our mortgage. Well, then let's get you in a product that's got really good prepayment privileges so you can pay that off as fast as you want. Or it's time to refinance, pull some equity. You're going to qualify again. So now I'm going to ask for all those documents. But I'm really, really thorough. They they know exactly kind of what those numbers are going to look like. Yeah. Well, actually, this is a good point because there... There are people out there whose uh, objective is to pay down their mortgage and be mortgage-free, and that is fantastic. It is. That's great. The other a lot op- of tricks to do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the, the other option is to pull out equity and maybe buy an investment property, you know, buy something, you know, plan for your kids. Uh, man, I heard a story a little while ago about um, how it's much more gratifying to see their kids in their condo or home while mm. they're still around oh, as yeah. opposed to, you know, after the fact, right? Very common scenarios now is pulling equity for the down payment for their children yeah. or pulling that equity to And by the way, this is not this is not new. This is this has been generations yeah. where parent you know, where parents have helped out. So, you know, this is not a new thing. 
Um, but the, the last thing I want to touch on really briefly here is, you know, we talked about first-time buyers refinancing, um, taking equity out for things like investment. Um, but, you know, even in later years, if a senior, um, if someone's been in the house, they've owned it for years, mm. they bought it for $15,000, it's now worth $2 million in today's dollars, um, they can actually also take out financial instruments that allow them to... Um, well, yeah, to because exist, right? no, their cash flow has probably really changed. They've retired and they may be on a limited pension Fixed now. Fixed income. Yeah. yeah, and gosh, property taxes start to weigh heavy. You know, they might be deferring their property taxes. Cost uh, of utilities, cost of yeah, you know gardening cost of services. Cost of living's gone up, and their cash flow's gone down. Yeah. And a lot of their um, their life savings is tied up in their home. Yeah. Uh, so first and foremost, I will always try to see if their pension is enough to qualify in today's rules to get them a best rate mortgage and and maybe they do want to pull funds maybe they just want to set up um, a security blanket of a home uh, equity line of credit so that it's just there and available if they ever needed it so that would be standard qualifying with this stress test that we talked about and then you know if that pension just isn't working and it doesn't debt service we do have the option of looking at that reverse mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something you're looking at in your later years. You know, it. it you don't want to outlive your reverse. You mortgage. don't, and yeah. you don't want to watch. Uh, you don't want to start that too young. And gosh, it's changed so much. We've had. Uh, we've had. Oh yeah, um, we've talked about that here on the show. Yeah, yeah. and it's just, Mark's been here. Has been great. It's just really important for borrowers that are even considering this reverse mortgage to know that it it's very restricted. It's it, They do not want to own your home. Yeah. That is not the goal. Oh, my goodness. Well, listen, <laughs> we got to wrap up because this is our end. Oh, so much information. Thanks for coming. Uh, again, Denise, people need to reach you. They can call you at? My cell number is 250-889-4743 or an email to denise at denisewebster.com. And they'll call you because they love talking to you. I'll be there. Great. And to the rest of our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.